it's the Manitoba Beer Cast. Hi, I'm Brad Gordon. The Beer Cast is dedicated to searching out and enjoying Manitoba brewed beer. I talk to the people who brew it, grow its ingredients, distribute it, serve it, and love it. In short, the BeerCast wants to help you drink local beer more often. This is episode three of the BeerCast. We are now three months deep into the province's code red restrictions. It's all threes. The tasting rooms, they remain closed across the province. And the province's restaurants are open, albeit at 25% capacity. And that's the kind of business model that only works if you've spent the last year building a robust curbside takeout and delivery business. There are four what I call hybrid breweries in Winnipeg that qualified for reopening. Now, they're hybrids in the sense that they could plausibly reopen under the restaurant standards key rule for that operation then is that any given table has to consist of people from the same household. Thus, couples and families can get out of the house and have a sit-down meal, which is invaluable at this point. However, pure tasting rooms, they remain closed. I have a conjecture that the province does not believe that couples or families would travel together to have a nice local beer in a tap room. As for you, feel free to curse or make terrible mouth noises on that assumption. I already have. The upshot is that four operations in Winnipeg could potentially reopen with those new regulations. Two have taken advantage. That would be Brazen Hall and TransCanada Brewing. One great city and non-such have passed so far. Now, without attributing any quotes, I made some calls around to the four businesses in question. I got the impression the reopening rules are such that it's barely worth reopening the kitchen if you have another stream of income. If you're already selling canned beer product, you already have money coming in. If they were purely restaurants, they would bite the bullet and they would go. Now, all four of the hybrids in questions do have strong offerings in the stores. Reopening any floor spaces and any kitchens at this point has got to be seen as an act of optimism. Now, this episode, I have a great interview on tap. Cody Lebrow has been writing a great beer blog for years, beercrank.ca. I discovered it years ago after buying a bottle of, honestly, really dreadful beer. As usual here on the beer cast, the name of the guilty party will go unstated. But I had raw curiosity on my side, tapped the name of the beer into Google, and up came the organic search, and Beer Crank was there with a review. Clicked through, and after reading, I was able to confirm the beer in question was, what's the right word? Problematic. So I clicked around a little bit more, hit a quote that really stuck with me. It made me giggle for about five minutes. The quote was, tastes like malt, looks like urine, smells like hay. So spent a little more time clicking around and Beer Crank allows you to build a wish list of beers that you could get your hands on. For Cody, what started out as a passion project is now a pretty deep resource for us, the beer lovers. In addition, when I moved out to Western Manitoba a few years ago, I was pleasantly surprised to see that Cody the Beer Blogger was, in fact, contributing a weekly column in the Brandon Sun. He was able to post weekly for five years until the inevitable cutbacks of the newspaper trade took him off the pages. While the newspaper industry continues to think that wine columns are sustainable and beer columns aren't, I believe this too will change in the near to medium future. 
So a couple of weeks ago, I got Cody on the phone. Here's that interview. Speaking now to Cody Lebro, the website is called beercrank.ca, and I have shared a pint with this guy in the past. Uh, that's full disclosure. I wanted to talk to him about the site because he has waged, how do I say this, a, a lonely battle in the name of good beer in Western Manitoba. So I, I want to talk to you about blogging and about how you got started with beercrank.ca. So I officially started beercrank.ca back in around 2009 as a project just to keep myself busy. Uh, I was writing reviews about beer on um, a personal blog well before that, but it's on um, a free blog website that no longer exists. And that started up around 2005. I didn't think it was going to become a hobby of mine or a career of mine, but over time I became a fan of craft beer and I started up um, um, a rate beer account and just started um, my musings, what I felt about the beer and the beer that changed my life was the first beer I ever reviewed in my life. I gave it a uh, 1.5 out of 5 because I thought it was terrible, but it ended up being uh, my favorite beer in the world. It's La Fin de Monde uh, by Unibrew out of Quebec. And beercrank.ca basically came out because I was bored, bored in brand in Manitoba. I didn't have a job, but I was still in school at the time. But I was unemployable. I was bored, as I just said. And I didn't really have any friends, still really don't, but I wanted something to keep myself busy. And around that time, I received a nice Canon DSLR for my birthday, for, for graduating university. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to take photos of beer and just give my description about it. At the time, nobody was really blogging about beer, but it was but around 2010. Uh, beer blogging was at its peak. Everybody was everybody in the dog seemed to be writing a blog about beer, but I was one of the only people to not only write about beer but also take photos of the beer itself. Nobody was uh, using their own photos; they were taking the the pictures I would take off the website. And at the time, the the blog was called the Cranky Beer Blogger, um, now shortened to Beer Crank, um, because. Frankly, I was cranky, I was tired, I was exhausted in a place called Brandon where it's, I just wanted a voice. And the beer crank actually gave me a voice. And um, for well over a decade, I've been writing about beer frequently, at least, at least once a week, continuously for that entire time. Now, one of the early um, posts that I read back is that um, the objective initially, or at some point early on, was that you were going to review the stuff that you could get at your local liquor mart. That's correct. At the time, there wasn't much available at the liquor mart. You had Fort Gary. Half Pints just came to Brandon, even though um, Dave Rudge, the owner of Half Pints, said that they would never come to Brandon because if they came to Brandon, they'd have to go to Thompson, Churchill, all that sort of stuff. Um, so whatever something came into the liquor mart that was interesting, new to me. I reviewed it. It was fun. I was, even though I was unemployed, I was able to send a small budget to be able to review uh, something here or there um, once in a while. And I remember some of the early reviews were uh, Garrison, uh, which is thankfully permanently available in Manitoba, Muskoka. They were on and off for a long time, but they're permanent in Manitoba now. 
and especially Red Racer by um, Central City of Vancouver, or yeah, Vancouver. A lot of these beers I couldn't get in Manitoba, but once they were available in Manitoba, it's like, oh, I want to try beer from elsewhere because it's like a little vacation without having to spend all that time and money to do it. And over time, I tried beers from Iceland, Poland, Australia, and all over Canada. And looking at the liquor mart now, the beer selection is immensely better compared to five years ago, 10 years ago, especially 15 years ago. And it's, it's an expensive hobby. Uh, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I, I, there was a, um, there was a broadcaster who did a, a beer and wine show um, back about the same window. And just after the 2008 crash, he said, you know what, for people who are, you know, affected by the crash here and hitting hard times, you get yourself a tall can of beer, you get a, one of those bomber bottles, and that is an affordable evening, as opposed to cracking open a $15 bottle of, uh, of Chardonnay. So in terms of, as much as you say it's an expensive hobby, it's not as expensive as others when it comes to picking up something at the liquor mart. It's not expensive, like be- becoming like um, a scotch aficionado or wine aficionado. But that's a good point. That re- reminds me of why I became a craft beer geek. I never thought I was going to be a beer drinker. I never thought I was going to be a craft beer drinker at that. But there was a TV show in Calgary uh, that aired on the local, I think, global TV or whatever station um, back in the mid-2000s where uh, three guys would uh, go on this TV show and just review beer. They'd they'd have a theme every single week. They'd pick three beers. One would be a local craft brewery uh, that was in uh, Western Canada. Like, say, they would pick, like, a a big rock. And they'd pick something national, and then they'd pick um, an international one. And I remember finding out about Hoogard and uh, the Belgian White Ale. Um, that, that's like maybe interesting. It's like that sounds like something I want to drink, and that was back in the mid, early, early mid two thousands. And I think that was one of the reasons why I started drinking craft beer to begin with. That why I tried Unibrew and all that sort of stuff. And I honestly forgot all about that until just now. Mm-hmm. It's it's an adventure every time, especially if you're starting from a a low base of information, and then all of a sudden you say, "Well, okay, I'm going to try this." Oh, the whole garden is pretty amazing. What else is exactly. like it? And you start going it, down a trail. That's exactly it. With the the big hazy juicy IPA trend right now, everybody and their father-in-law and whatnot uh, wants an IPA that tastes like orange juice, and that's what every single brewery is doing. And um, right now, I'm sampling a Torx deer from Torx Brewery. That's something that the juicy IPA lover would not want to drink. It's the kind of IPA that everybody says, oh, I hate IPAs back in like 2012. It's bitter. It's malty. It's pine. Long after you're done sipping it, you still get a bitterness lingering on it. That's the kind of IPA I fell in love with uh, back in around 2008. And the thing is, as things go in and out of fashion, you keep finding interesting spins to old ideas or, 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 you know, so at this point it's, it's a moving, it's a moving feast, isn't it? It is. It really is. I know this is a sore spot. And so I'm going to let you vent here as a blogger, you get, you get feedback and you also Mm -hmm. get to see your metrics and you hate the fact that people love to read your destructive reviews of really <laughs> awful beer. 
have have you have you cut have you come to grips with this yet actually i have a lot of fun doing it to be honest there's a brewery owner out of calgary um um out, uh, the owner of outcast brewery his name um slips my mind right now i um, went to his um his home for my birthday a couple of years ago and he he asked me when are you gonna start doing the shitty beer reviews again and at that point i hadn't done any for at least a year or two and apparently people loved it and on my blog i get a lot of different kind of metrics a lot of people i'd say most of my viewers or readers go to my website to review non-alcoholic beer because nobody's writing about non-alcoholic beers i'm one of one the only ones who's doing it but it's becoming a scene that's becoming huge it's going to be every brewery's going to be doing in the next 10 years i assume but who knows but crappy shitty horrible beer reviews oh it's i don't like buying the product but there's a there's a really loyal following when it does happen and i had a poll a year ago what i should review next which i still haven't written yet but i don't well one day I still have to review it. I actually have uh, a can of strong lager in the fridge for an upcoming review, but I don't want to even drink it. I picked it up in a a small town vendor, beer vendor, and it was the only craft, quotation marks, beer that they had there. Everything else was or now is it. So I wanted to I wanted some beer to take home that day. I had I stuck with that. I also picked up some something for punishment. Jeez. That's exactly exactly it. Your reviews of crappy beers. It's got a NASCAR effect. People just want to see, see it crash. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Based on what you've done over the last 15 years, I can't help but think that you've done something over there in terms of a dialogue with the staff on Victoria street uh, whereas the beer, the beer section is a lot better than it would have been if you hadn't been constantly asking about product. Mm-hmm. That's true, uh, but at the same time, I I, I harass them quite a bit, uh, uh, especially their crap, their crappy aficionado Logan quite a bit. It's like when do you get this in? When do you get this in? They unfortunately it's usually um, um, shoulders are shrugged. One one example was. I was trying to get in um, kilter for the longest time because that's the probably most prized Winnipeg brewery out of all all of them. It's so hard to get to the point where um, the, the quality in beer store, when they get in, they get 3,000 cans and it's gone by the next day. Every month I bring up, you should get kilter and you should get kilter. And so unfortunately, they don't distribute outside Winnipeg. Well, talking to the right people, thankfully, I was able to get, somehow get kilter into Brandon. Um, I spoke with the um, interim manager over at the Crow Center Liquor Mart, and um, she was just came coming back from um, maternity leave. And I asked her, "Why can't you kill her?" She said the same thing, but she said she'd send an email asking, "Well, what can we do to get it in?" Well, no more than three weeks later, Tenth of Victoria got in Kilter Juicy IPA, something that's never happened in the history of that Liquor Mart ever. Yep. And um, and the staff at the Cross Center didn't even know it was even in Brandon. They said the same thing. It's like, yeah, they don't distribute outside Winnipeg. But there's been some times where I try to get 
certain beers in it and like, no, we're not getting that in. Or they will put a request in, but the beer distributor will never respond back. For example, one of my favorite beers is uh, uh, Uber 17, which is probably one of the best beers on the planet. It's a dark ale aged on French oak. It's it's winter in a glass, basically. Um you Bruce Neiman's uh, would not respond to the request. And sometimes the breweries are like, yeah, we, we're not making that beer right now, or we just don't distribute that beer to Manitoba. It's one of those things you, you just keep lobbying. Uh, Godness knows I uh, spent about three, uh, three weeks constantly sticking my head in asking about stir stick stout, but that's my problem. And now, now it, and, and now yes. it's in Kansas, Brandon. Yes. It is in, yeah. so it's one of those things. Oh, Persistence pays off, you know. Yeah. That is a, oh, that is a classic. Easy. It is. Hey, and you know, as a Westman beer fan, you and I both know the answer to this, and we all have variations of it. What's your personal strategy to get your hand on Winnipeg beer when often you know uh, the the um, releases are limited, and it's 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 a wrangle to get stuff. Sometimes I'll harass the right people. Um, like I know yourself, you go to Winnipeg quite often, and I think most of the really rare one-offs I get is from you. Um, a couple of other friends will pick up stuff, but I'm lucky enough that I'm good friends with Chris over at the Quality Beer Store. Quite often, if there's something coming out and I really want it, he'll save a bottle or can for me and um, and pick it up the next time in Winnipeg. But unfortunately, with COVID. That's not the case right now. So most of the times I can't really get my hands on other, some stuff, but I do have a good buddy out of uh, Regina. He runs the, the, the I want to say it's not defunct or anything, but he hasn't updated in years. It's uh, his website, uh, flatlandsbeer.com. It's all about Saskatchewan beer. Um, he's probably the most vocal supporters of Saskatchewan beer. Whenever I just mention a beer, like a multinational or rebellion or whatnot, he saves me a bottle or a can of something and he'll just randomly mail it out without asking anything of return. Um, basically more and more breweries are uh, shipping through Canada post now. So I've been ordering um, beer from uh, two crows out of Halifax a bit uh, during COVID, as well as uh, my next purchase when I'm not broke will be uh, from Outcast Brewing out of Calgary, which uh, just announced a couple weeks ago that they're uh, shipping uh, nationwide. So that's exciting. They're absolutely great product there. No thinking. What's your favorite beer ever? Unibrew Left in the Mold. That's yes. the beer that changed my life. And I mentioned that earlier in the interview as well. It's it's the beer that changed me more than anything else. I would say a close second was... A uh, little scrapper back in 2008. Um, that was the first IPA I've ever enjoyed. So, um, but Left in the Moans was the beer that I went from, well, this is disgusting, it's 1.5 out of 5 on Rape Beer to five, year, yeah, five years ago this week, being able to get a personal uh, tour at the Unibrew plant, which nobody's able to do because it's a functioning um, factory kind of thing. But I was able to actually get a personal tour, sample some product, and get some good photos out of it as it is. It was a great experience. What's your perspective right now on where the Manitoba industry is sitting? I think we're, at this point, um, we've hit not a plateau of uh, new breweries, but I think we're at the point where we're not going to see many new breweries opening up um, really ever again. Um, we saw a big... Um, 
surge about two, three years ago. But I think the, it, the industry has settled. We're going to see uh, new craft breweries opening up in small towns. Like we see um, uh, Black, Black Wheat opening up on uh, 10th Street. Uh, we'll see another brewery open up in Brandon. I could see a brewery opening up in Ports Prairie, possibly a cottage kind of brewery at uh, West Sigmund, but maybe years and years down the road. But I think we're at the point where we're not going to see much new development unless if we see um, um, brewers leaving uh, current breweries right now, which I can't see happening because most of them seem to be really content with what they're doing. Are we going to see more brew pubs? You know, like you talk about Portage La Prairie. There's something in Winkler right now that's kind of a, a pizza place with some uh, brewery capabilities. Are we going to see more of those little ones? Uh, yes, we will. Um, I see it happening quite a bit in Saskatchewan. And if it's going to happen in Saskatchewan, it's going to happen here. But what we're probably going to see is more chain-based uh, uh, operations happening here in Manitoba. We're going to see um, breweries like Lake Woods probably uh, popping up in new locations. Um, I heard rumors that they want to open up a brew pub and branding a couple of years ago, but that never happened. Um, there's talks about uh, Big Rock opening up a brew pub, but that never happened. Uh, but we'll see yeah, some chain-based ones happening in the um, next five years. But uh, we'll also see some locally owned ones too, but not excessive. Um, but I do, re- I do want to see more uh, restaurant-based um, brew pubs happening because who doesn't like a good pint and um, poutine or pizza? As it is. Yep, absolutely. You got my vote on that. Cody, thank you for this today. And once again, let's let's state it for the record. It is the bet. You got actually, you've got awards to to, to brag on uh, over at Beer Crank. Well, no, I see I see some shields here of one of the leading uh, leading beer blogs in the country. Well, it's it's fairly easy when um, there's very few people blogging about beer anymore. There's there's a couple guys still doing it in Montreal, but most of the people I was um, buddies with who were blogging around the same time as me have plateaued off or stopped blogging about beer completely about two years ago. A lot of them uh, have families now or a lot of them just lost interest in it. But for me, it's like I've felt like quitting about writing about beer so many times, but I see the stats and I have – more people reading now than any other time ever. Every single month it hits in like a new milestone. And people are reading, but a lot of people prefer the more like the um, more of a mi- um, microscope of uh, a beer review. They want like a quick like uh, Instagram kind of post more than a blog entry. And I've started doing more Instagram kind of stuff, but I'm not a big fan of it. But I, I need to basically sp- sp- blurt out what I have to say, but in 160 characters less, not so much. The culture just keeps speeding up. <laughs> so, it really does. Thank you. Thank you for this, yeah. and we shall talk again. Excellent. We will. Thank you, sir. Take care. Cheers. Thanks once again to Cody Lebrome. I believe there's an online bad beer tasting session somewhere in our futures. Let's turn to quick notes for this episode. I would like to take a moment to praise a beer that's been on the market in Manitoba for about 10 years. It's a classic. I'm speaking of a beer that I fell in love with when I first found it. It's Half Pints Stir Stick Stout. 
When Half Pints started to embrace the canning of product about a year ago, I was really happy to see product in my liquor mart that I previously only had access to in the tasting room. And a couple months ago, my unspoken prayers came true when the first cans of Stir Stick made it to my local store. I fully have to confess, I'm the kind of guy who went to Half Pints in St. James and asked them, I know it's in the value pack, and there's three bottles in the pack, but can you just make me up a case of nothing but stir stick? So that was great, because otherwise I'd just have to go to the liquor mart, tear apart the value packs, and take three bottles out of each, and just juggle them around until I got a full case. So you might ask, what's the attraction to this beer? It is the original local market coffee stout. The recipe hasn't changed in a decade. You can set your watch by it. You heard Cody and myself in the interview. We both go, yeah, it's a classic. We nod our heads and we agree on this kind of stuff. Because the bitterness issue is taken care of with it. It's dark, of course, slightly sweet, but the bitterness is coffee. Not that stout bitter, not that minerality that you get with a certain multinational stout that we all know of. It is lovely. If you love coffee and you love beer, why aren't you there yet? And now that it's easy to get your hands on, I suggest it as an evening pint, as we all wait for winter to release us from its icy, icy grasp. Well, that's it for episode three of the BeerCast. We are on Twitter as MBBeerCast. I'm sure I mentioned beercrank.ca in this episode. Please read it for the good reviews. My email address for this project, beerme at manitobabeercast.com. Send me your feedback, your ideas for future episodes, and your sightings of beer in the wild. That's Manitoba brews you find outside the perimeter highway. Remember, support the rural beer heads. They need your love. Visit manitobabeercast.com for the links to Apple Podcasts and that expanding universe of pod platforms. One easy way to subscribe, sign up for the email subscription. You get an email every time an episode drops with a link to the player. It's easy, it's fun. The theme music for the BeerCast by Ottawa's Admiral Bob. Incidental music and sound effects come from Zapsplat. I'm Brad Gordon. I help Manitoba businesses and nonprofits build and implement communication strategies and tactics, as well as sales and marketing plans. Find me at gordoncommunications.ca. Thanks for listening this week. Keep it chill. Mm-hmm.